Hello, Kristen here. Before we get into this episode, I wanted to tell you that the antidote is a thing that's happening. It's a series of monthly gatherings that will help you return to your body and your being over and over again in the face of, you know, 2024, election insanity, climate change, global wars, your own personal stuff, other stuff. It's crazy out there. And it's easy to abandon yourself and freak out. The antidote is for bringing you home to yourself so that you can be safe in your being even when the world outside of you feels objectively unsafe. And because everybody's marketing at you and there's no reason for you to believe me, you can head to jointheantidote.com to grab a free recording of the first session that happened this week so you can feel it instead of thinking about it to see if it's a good match for you. That is jointheantidote.com. Scroll all the way down and you will see a place to pop your email address in and grab the recording. to this episode of That's What She Said. Before we dive into today's interview of magnificence, this is a reminder that it is the last call for steersership for 2018. In 2019, it's not happening. So if you're like, I don't know, or maybe, or I have more time to think about this, you actually don't have more time to think about this. When I take the Sally Hogshead fascination test, like why are people fascinated with you? It's rebellion. It is not alert. My alert is dormant. And so I'm not the person that sends the like, act now, do it now. Oh my God, time is running out. But also like it actually is running out and you actually are out of time. So head to kristenkelp.com slash S-Y-S. Take a look, shoot me an email, book a phone call with me. You're going to have to talk to me because we're going to be talking for a long time, for the next six months. There are two retreats. One is at the very end of October, beginning of November in Santa Fe. And the other is in LA in April. And in between, we have one-on-one calls and group coaching calls. And not group coaching calls like there are thousands of people. The group coaching calls like there's a handful of people. (laughs) And, And we all show up and support each other. This is my very favorite work to do in the world. And so um, if any part of you is at all interested, even just a little bit, go and book a call, kristenkelp.com slash S-Y-S for this week. Talk to me. If the times aren't right, email me. We will find a time. We will get on the phone and I will confirm that, yes, this is a good idea. This is for you. Or actually, no, it's not the time. I'm happy to do that as well because having a person that's the wrong fit in the group is a really bad experience for everyone and I protect the sanctity of the group above all else. So I can assure you that everyone that's in there now is stunning and amazing and I love them. And if you would like to join, you got to email me or talk to me. Just generally k at kristenkelp.com. 
kristenkelp.com slash SYS to book a call. Let's do this thing. And the last day to sign up is Friday. This is coming out on Tuesday. So you've got a 72 hour window to make this happen. And then we will move on to other things. And I will not speak of stewardship for a long while. So go do the thing and then enjoy this conversation with Hey Berna. Hello and uh, welcome to this episode of That's What She Said in which I have got Hey Berna on the line. And if you're like, who the fuck is that? Just hold the fucking phone. It's about to happen. So hi, Berna. How are you? Oh, hey, it's me. I'm awesome. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, so I am really, really good at making money and not really good at managing money. And I also find it very intimidating because people like Susie Orman make me want to die. Um, <laughs> same. <laughs> to be honest, same. Please. <laughs> and, and so when I came across you at some point, I was like, holy shit, for some reason I want to watch her talk. Um, so Berna via the Hey Berna channel does all sorts of um, actually really simple, really entertaining financial information um, videos and articles. And the one that I want to point people to first, if you're like, okay, whatever, is um, heyburna.com and it's women of color personal finance, which was all like, oh, I'm in, let's do this. <laughs> um, so can you tell me a little bit about um, how this started and how you entered into the world of like telling people what to do with their money, but oh, not yeah. in the super weird, like you must do this way, but in the like, let's, let's be honest people, let's just do this. Yes. Oh, man. I think it really started when I was a freelancer right after college living in New York. And somehow, like so many freelancers do living in any city they're in, somehow paying rent, somehow putting it together. But mm -hmm. honestly, like living on the edge of craziness. But when you're like 23, and you're like, haha, I make $14,000 a year. And I barely Lego together my rent. But like, it's cool. Let's go to brunch four times this weekend. And like, that's fine. I'm going to dig into my savings account for this margarita. Like, that's just the way that I was living. That's the way that so many people around me were living. Also, it's just crippling debt. It's, it's fine. fine. But like, and that's the interesting thing too, is I was in my own brain. I was like, you know, I have $50,000 in credit card and student loan debt, but like, so does everyone. And it's fine. Like, it's totally fine. It's just like this funny accessory we all wear, you know, it's just a ball and chain, but like ball and chains are totally accessible in terms of debt. Like, yay. And mm -hmm. so that is something that I had just internalized. Everyone around me had internalized like debt is funny and hilarious and cute. Not at all crippling. Lol, let's have another margarita. And uh, I got a big girl job. Uh, in San Francisco with a regular paycheck. Um, and I moved, I'm from San Francisco originally. And so I moved back to San Francisco for this big girl job. And I started getting like so many people do a paycheck every two weeks. And I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> what the f like, so I could, I could do almost whatever. And this money just rains upon my head every Friday. That's crazy. And I looked at my debt and I looked at all the credit card debt I had racked up when I was in New York. And I just had this moment of like, bitch, if you can't get your shit together with money raining down upon you every other Friday, basically for no reason, like, is there hope for you at all in the future? Like once that money came was a little bit more regular, I was like, 
let, let me just experiment with myself and see if I can't like whip my own self into shape uh, in terms of finances, because like debt is not fun. It is not cute. It was, I was almost like, I was a puppy that like shit everywhere for two years. And I was looking behind me and I was like, maybe I shouldn't be shitting anywhere <laughs> if I wanted to call myself an adult. And like, now there's this almost like puppy training program. I should probably get into that. So, uh, but I'm a person that so like so many people hated numbers, hate numbers. I still don't love numbers. Um, it didn't like spreadsheets. And when people said the word budget, I wanted to hurl. And so I love journaling though. And I journal almost every night. And I was like, what if I journal about money? What if I just keep a long ass Google doc where every time I get a paycheck, I just journal about what I'm going to do with this money before the money falls out of my hands and like into brunch, like it did for so many years of my life. Um, and I found that talking about money in my own way, in my own voice at a regular time every two weeks really, really helped. It just made me aware. I mean, it made me aware of how much scary ass debt I was in one. And then it just made me aware of how I spend my money. And it made me aware of what financial goals I had, because obviously I had none before. Um, and I just started to slowly chip away at them. So I was like, okay, let's see if I just focus on credit card debt every two weeks. I'm just like, what am I doing with my credit card debt? And I set up a plan over several months. I smashed my $12,000 in credit card debt. And I was like, okay, shit, I think I might be onto something. And so I (laughs) I took that same energy and put it towards my student loans. I was like, how much is, how long do I think it might take if I keep this focus up and, you know, just put as much money as I can towards my student loans in a really conscious way. And that took me over a year, but it, you know, it was boom, like $38,000 in student loans. Uh, well, I say, I say boom as if it was like a fast process. It was more of like a slow chisel to the brain, but I was able to do that for myself. And uh, gosh, I feel like I'm rambling a lot. But anyway, the big picture that I found through all this is one, money does not have to be taught to us in like this sad ass, scary ass, here's a Microsoft Excel budget and an old white man yelling at you type of way. <laughs> right? God, no. I don't want Dave Ramsey and his envelopes. I'm sorry. Like every time someone who looks like Dave Ramsey is talking to me, I'm usually in trouble or I'm in a place that I don't want to be like the post office or a courtroom, whatever, you know, like, ew, how's, how am I supposed to get happy about money when, sorry, Dave Ramsey has helped lots, millions of people, but like, he just does not speak my language. No, Um, the principal is so mad at you right now and he will see you. Exactly. He will see me. And even when he's saying nice things to me, I'm like, you're judging me. Stop lying. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't know my life. Get out of here. So one, money does not need to be taught to us by the people who don't look or sound like us or have never lived our lived experiences. Uh, and two, once you do manage money, once man- once money feels manageable in a way that you understand, holy fuck, it opens up doors and empowerment and confidence that for me, I had already written off in my life. I was like, you know, I'm just not a money person and I'm just like not a person who's ever going to be good with money. And, you know, no one ever tell me whatever. Once I realized that all the information is out there, it's just not in a, organized in a way that's meant for us to understand. But once you climb that mountain, it's like, oh, you bitches, you, the David Ramsey in the world and all the, again, old white man financial analysts and shit, they're all hiding gold information that we can totally, totally equip ourselves with that we can totally understand if it was given to us the right way. And once we understand it, it's like, it, it just, it's like fertilizer for the rest of our life. It really, it empowers you in so many other different ways. So that's my long spiel about how I became obsessed with money. No, I like it. And I think um, the part where you're like, I'm just not good with money. And you're like, 
um, well, you're going to be alive for another 60 ish years. <laughs> like you do have opportunity to learn about money. No, a hundred percent. Yes. Well, <laughs> I think one of the things that really stood out to me when I started, you know, organizing my own money, seeing like, holy shit, once I put these systems into place that fit me, so many things transformed me. And I started talking about it with my friends you know, my, I grew up in uh, San Francisco Bay Area, so I grew up around a lot of Asian American families, a lot of first generation, you know, children of immigrants. Something that I found with a lot of us is that we were never taught these things. You know, maybe in college, we've met friends whose parents were in finance or whose parents taught them how to use a savings account or whose parents, you know, they, they fax their fucking tax documents to their parents every semester and they're just like, you do it. And so many of us are like, we didn't, we didn't learn any of that shit. Like there's, we don't, we don't know because we weren't taught and we weren't taught because of so many other factors that are outside of our control. And you, we get to a point in adulthood where it's like, well, I mean, that's just the way it is, right? Like, it's just money's going to suck until I die and that's it. And that's just, it's just not true, <laughs> but it's, yeah. it's also not our fault that we think that because, you know, these tools just weren't available to us. Our parents are busy doing other things like teaching us English in a way that doesn't have an accent and like keeping food on the table and trying to integrate and all that stuff. Yeah. And I grew up in the middle of like white ass rural America and I <laughs> learned about the history of Pennsylvania for an entire mm -hmm. semester oh in high school. But um, I did not learn anything about like budgets, documents, credit card, finance, like none of it. Mm -hmm. um, it's not taught. All. It's no. so practical and not taught. And I mean, my own internet conspiracy brain, I'm like, there's a reason they're not teaching us this shit. If we all knew how to do this shit, there's so many things we could overturn politically, like in terms of activism, in terms of so many things. It's like, I, I there's a there's an intense conspiracist in my financial brain that's like, there's a reason we're not being taught these things. Empowerment means overthrowing shit. But you know, I haven't explored yeah. that too hard yet. There's, there's a little bit of that. Yeah. Like if, if you're just focused on how broke you are, you don't have time to focus on anything else except that you're fucking broke. You're just broke. And it's a, a brokenness is a cycle and it's something that you do end up teaching the people around you and you end up enforcing in the people around you, you end up teaching your kids. And again, just that mindset of just like, well, money's here to fuck you. And that's all it is. And if that's what you're hearing in your household, what you're hearing around you, you're like, there's no reason why I should try to do otherwise, but you should. Absolutely. And you can you can stop shitting on the carpet. You can. You I can. I was able to wipe my own ass and turn around and like wipe all the shit afterwards. And now I'm trying to help other people do it too. It's fantastic. So talk to me about what people ask you for the most at a, at a, um, like at a basic level. So you can go like super simple and then a little more advanced. But what is it that people are like sliding into your DMs about? Oh my gosh. It's budgeting is the number one thing. And it's funny because budgeting seems to be this sort of foreign word. Even when I say, it, I mean, I've been talking to myself and or other people about money for a couple of years now. And the word budgeting feels bleh, like I just took medicine. Like it feels gross in your mouth. Um, everybody is like, teach me how to budgeting. And I can tell it's like, it feels like this, <laughs> this foreign entity of like, I allegedly I'm supposed to learn how to do it, but it's gross and weird. And ugh. what what I realize what everyone is always asking me is about control. You know, I feel out of control with my money. I'm a young person who feels out of control with my money because, you know, I 
get a really tiny paycheck every two weeks. It's my first job and I don't know what to do with it. Or I'm a 25 year old who feels out of control because I've just started to look at my debt and realize like, oh shit, someone lied to me. I am not able to pay this back. Or like, I'm a 40 year old woman who has been in debt for years and realized I've been in this like cycle of mental fuckery that told me I'm never going to be able to figure this out. So like, how do I get in control? It's completely about control. Um, And so people just want to know how to feel in control and how to get on top of their stuff. And it's, that's the number one thing. Probably the number two thing is something that I love. Like I've gotten so many young people under maybe, you know, under the age of 25 being like, how do I save money so that my adulthood, basically, they might not say this in so many words, but some have, how do I save money so that my adulthood doesn't look like y'all's adulthood? (laughs) Because you are all freaking the fuck out about your student loan debt. What the fuck is this? I'm reading about student loan debt getting into the trillions. What have you all done? What the hell? How do I avoid like all the mistakes that you guys made? And, but it's said in the means of just like, how do I adult, you know, like, how do I save money? I can tell they're just like, "Mm, y'all fucked up. How do I not fucked up? Which makes me feel so good. I'm like, yes, yes. See the problem. (laughs) Get there before just do better than do better. I'm going to help you do better. Yeah. So when, when you help people into the world of budgeting and um, controlling, Mm. um, where do they start? And so where do they start? And then where do they like trip up the the most often? Mm. Where I always ask people to start and it's, uh, it's aggressive, but it's where I started. And it's sort of the way that I, you know, it's the method that I've devised is you have to look at your shit. I'm sorry, we're talking about poop right. so much. It's like late at night for you, but like the poop comes into play a lot. When I talk about money, you have to look at your shit. Like you have to look at exactly the kind of shit you're in. Like everyone in terms of, of control, what makes you feel so out of control about money is you don't even know what your shit is about. Like you don't even know how bad of a hole you're in. And I always tell people like, if you're sitting in the dark and you can't see the walls around you, you don't know if the walls are like up against your ears. You don't know if the walls go out 10 feet around you. You don't know if there's a toilet in the corner of the room. You don't know if there's a bag of gold. Like you don't know what the hell's around you. And that's so scary. So looking at your shit starts with writing down either on a piece of paper or on a Google doc, exactly how much cash you have today by the cent, how much debt you have today by the cent, what's in every one of your bank accounts, what's in that weird ass like money market account your uncle opened for you when you were five, what's in there? Let's see exactly what that number is. Call Sally Mae and ask them exactly what you owe. Call Bank of America and ask them exactly what you owe and look at all of your numbers at once. And that's it. That's That's the first step. It sounds sort of just basic, but it's emotionally taxing for so many of us, but that is the absolute first step out of hell just to be able to feel your way around. Like, Oh, I was in a dark room for a while, but like, at least now I know this dark room has four walls. Okay. That makes sense. No, look, there's a ceiling here. Oh, there's a giant hole at the bottom, but at least I know where the bottom is. Like I can see where my debt is and I can start from there. That's always the first step to start with. But again, it is, it's a lot. And so I've started to take on personal finance, um, one-on-one coaching clients. And I always try to give them lots of space and lots of love in that first step, because it's like, we can't get anywhere unless we know what your bottom looks like. But now that you've gotten to your bottom, I love you and thank you. And you're so strong and you're so smart. And this is very scary. And you can only get better from here because you know what your shit is and no one could ever tell you that you don't know what's going on anymore. 
Yeah, there, I remember there being a time when I was like, I have no idea how much is in my bank account. I just sort of hope for the best and swipe away. <laughs> exactly. And that phrase is repeated so much amongst young people, amongst millennials, amongst older millennials. It's almost like it's like how people brag about how busy they are. Like, oh, I'm just so busy. Like, don't even, I don't even have time to work out. I don't even have time to shower. And it becomes a fashionable thing to say, but it's like, you know what you're saying is you don't know how to take care of yourself, right? Like, you know, you know that that's like, when you really step back, it's like, that's a fun and fashionable and relatable thing to say, but it points to a bigger issue. And same with money. We all love to talk about how broke we are and how much debt we're in. And like, I have no idea what that was going on with my money. You know, like in New York, it was always like, I don't know. I never look at my bank account unless it yells at me. Like, well, it's, it's just perpetuated so hard. And I want to turn that around and be like, you know, that's, that's not maybe the healthiest thing. Like it, it hurts to look at your bank account, but let's stop acting like it's, you know, a fun and cute and fashionable thing to be in debt. It's hard not to because everybody is, but it's like the first step is being like, okay, I'm in shit. I'm just going to already admit that I'm in shit and, and moving yeah, forward. And then you there. start showering and it gets better. And you're like, okay. And you're like, there was a shower here the right? whole time. What the and I was fun? just sitting here feeling I'm shame gonna... about my shit. Mm-hmm. Yep, because everyone else is sitting in their shit, but there's there's another way. There's another path. And it's really good. And um, so question, and then they look at their shit, right? And they begin to shower. Yes. And then there's probably one mm-hmm. or two places where it falls into like, oh, God, that trips everybody up. What do you see with like, mm. oh, it's coming back. It's coming back and it's not good. Yes. So one thing that I try to really keep an eye on when I'm having my first conversation, for example, with like a one-on-one coaching client are the phrases that they repeat to me that they say all the time about that really points to their, like the mentality about money. Um, when I first started getting into sort of financial effery, I was like, let me, I, I sort of pushed away any kind of like woo woo new age, like it's all in your mind, you know, like, yeah, baby girl, you just got it. You got to think about money and the money comes to you. I was like, fuck that money or money's numbers. Like it, it, it's not connected to your soul. It's not connected to your mind. Let's just see how, you know, let me try to be practical, practical about one thing for once, but it's actually completely true. You know, like what you tell yourself about money all the time is directly correlated with the way that you act about your money. So what I hear all the time, once we start talking about money, when we start looking at our numbers, I just have the person talk and talk and talk as long as possible. I hear things like, you know, every time I get a dollar, it just leaves me. And, or like, I've never been able to control my money. Or if we get really deep into it, and this is, this is a huge part of sort of like the core of how we act with money. Um, growing up, they'd say something like growing up, my parents just spent all the money that we had. Or like growing up, you know, I watched my brother spend money on, on, shoes all the time or drugs all the time or something. And that's just the way that I saw money flow. And so we try, I try to get into what, what was your first experience with money and how, and sort of drawing lines as to like where that led. And I I can do as much like, let's look at your numbers. Let's write it down. Let's put it in a Google doc as much as possible. But over time, people tend to slide back to the things that they told themselves or that they were taught about money in like a comforting way of like, okay, I wrote down all my things, but like ah, my paycheck came up and like, again, a dollar just got into my hand, a dollar came out, a dollar got into my hand, a dollar came out. And people just sort of slide back into what's, what is familiar to them. And so what is necessary at that point is an accountability partner, is someone to someone outside of yourself and 
ideally not your best friend, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, someone because <laughs> they're just going to be like, "It's all good, girl. Let's go some boba. Uh-huh. Fuck this shit." And that's not that's not what you want to do. You want someone outside of your circle, someone who's just enough removed from you to be able to go like, hey, that's not, I'm not even going to try to be like nice or comforting to you. That's weird what you just did um, to keep you accountable at a regular basis. So literally someone that you talked to, for example, I have an accountability partner who I talk to every 30th of the month. And even if within the month I'm sliding back into my own, like, oh, like, money is meant to be spent and like, mm, YOLO. I always have in the back of my mind, like I'm talking to Stephanie on the 30th. And if anyone's going to call me out of my shit, it's Stephanie. Or like, if I need to do right by anyone, I can tell myself, myself all the shit I want in my brain, but I know I'm talking to Stephanie on the 30th and I don't want to fuck that up. Like, I don't want to come to her with some sad ass shit to say. So I always make sure that people have a regular sort of check-in with themselves and also with another person. We have to get out of our heads, our own heads when it comes to talking to ourselves about money. So that's sort of the the next thing to set up after looking at your shit. That's lovely. Um, and how do you help the people, not help, I don't, you're, not, you're, you're not responsible for all the people listening, but how would you suggest um, people start paying attention and then they're instantly overwhelmed? Um, what is mm. your sort of, do you have any tricks for like, okay, um, you're completely overwhelmed and you don't get to just tap out and ignore this for another six months, <laughs> which is kind of the first step yes. of like, Oh God, it's so terrible. Yes, absolutely. So I would say the number one thing is to go into it with a buddy. Like I just said, the accountability partner, go into it with a buddy again. That's like ideally maybe three acquaintances removed from you. And this is going to sound really weird, but there are lots and lots of groups on Facebook dedicated to finding accountability partners for anything. There are finance accountability partners and groups. There are tons of uh, financial help gurus out there who've created groups of just like, hey, accountability partners, just come find yourselves. And just making a commitment to another person, especially for someone who's kind of a stranger, is going to feel weird. But at least you have someone who can take yourself out of your brain. If if you are fucking up between like now and the 29th of the month, at least on the 30th, you know that someone's going to be like, hey, gently, hey, hey, what are you doing? So find a buddy. Um, and I found also in this sort of like, you know, in the young millennial world, especially that like this buddy doesn't have to be someone that you have like very nice stilted Skype conversations with once a <laughs> month. Like I've also, I found it work out that like, they're just a person that you text when you're like, don't tell me not to buy this fucking visor. Tell me not to buy it. Tell me I don't need these shoes. So just say it. I just need someone to say it. Please just be my person to talk me out of checking out my whole Amazon cart because I felt shitty today. Just be the person, like just find the person that you can lean on specifically just for money. Mm, that's that's, that's really one thing. Good yes. 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 You have to have that buddy. And then the second thing is put on your calendar, like one hour or maybe an hour and a half. Uh, for me, it's every two weeks, every Friday morning of just like your money time. And that's, that's not money time to look at your bank account and then like, and you know, punish yourself for the rest of the day. That's time That's time that you should set up in a way that you should look forward to. So I was just telling one of my clients, like, let's set up an hour and a half for you every Friday. And what how I want you to think about this time is like, you wear your favorite goddamn dress. You put on your favorite music. You surround yourself with your favorite snacks. She's really into candles. So I was like, light all the fucking candles. Light all the candles. Tell everyone that you can't talk for two hours. Turn on your favorite music. And this is self-care time. So yes, you're looking at money, you're opening up your bank account and you're figuring out where you are, 
but associate it with things that also make you feel really, really good. There's no reason why you shouldn't. Like, why should you have to be punishing yourself physically with all this like sad ass physical cues if you hunched over a computer? I listen to Hamilton every time I do my money stuff. I listen to Hamilton and I put Cardi B's money bag on loop. So not only like am I having a great time dancing around in my chair, like in my bank account, but I feel like a bad bitch. <laughs> like, it's just like, it's just what makes me feel good. I'm like, I need to, I'm a simple creature. I need to associate good like sensory cues around money. And that helps so much because then every time you think about this, like time that, you know, you're going to look at your bank account. It's like, I'm also going to like wear that thing. I really like, like, maybe you want to wear like the thong that you never get to wear, whatever. Maybe you get to like put on those crazy shoes. You never get to pull out of your closet and just wear them by yourself in your house. You put on the music that you like, you just associate happy things with checking with yourself. And you sort of weave that narrative in, in of like, looking at my money as self-care, looking at my money is, is about me. It's about empowering myself. It's not about punishing myself. It's not about anybody yelling at me. It's about me going like, you know what? I'm in control of my shit. And also like, this is really fun. It should be fun. So we just, I have to, you have to sort of like trick yourself into it being fun. Yes. I think changing up the sensory cues is so important because have you seen an Excel spreadsheet lately? Like that shit is hideous. Like just the whole, it's so the visuals of it are just so like, oh God, shoot me. Like they're so terrible. It is. They're terrible. And it's all rectangular box. Oh my God. Even I wish you could see me right now. Even thinking about them, my shoulders mm-hmm. are like up near my ears. It's almost like thinking of all those rectangular boxes makes you want to do rectangular boxy mm-hmm. things with your body. That's fucking terrible. If you like to write in a beautiful moleskin, then write in a beautiful moleskin about your money. Like I started off Felicia's wallet with a blank Google doc because when I put my fingers to a keyboard, it's just like, ha, la, 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 la. like my fingers just get drunk and go crazy and it feels really good. So that's how I started checking with the money. I use words. Just use, use the medium that feels good to you. That's some wise shit. Uh, the other thing is that you are, mm-hmm. it's not insignificant that um, we're doing this interview. I'm doing this after my bedtime people um, because you're currently in <laughs> on the fucking other side of the world in Taiwan right now. Is that? Correct. Okay. Yes. And so, yes, we're in Taichung, Taiwan. Obviously. And so you're traveling full time while giving money advice because this is the other, like, when I associate travel with, like, oh shit, it's going down and all my money's going to be spent instantaneously. So, how do you budget <laughs> while also being like you're traveling full time, which is not a big, yeah. well, yeah. it's a very big deal. It's no small thing. Yes. So, One of the major financial goals that my partner and I set up is not just eliminating our student loan debt together, but also saving up to travel. So rewinding a little bit, I was on this like very aggressive hunt after my student loan debt. I was like, I'm going to eliminate it. And then I met my partner, Peter, um, off of Bumble. Holla, (laughs) thanks dating apps. And (laughs) I'm very pro dating app. Well, pro Bumble at least. And um, we were both like, hey, you know what like a dream of mine is? I'd love to just like quit life and go travel. He's like, me too. I was like, yeah, but I have so much student debt. And he's like, me too. <laughs> and we're like, wait, do you want to like get really aggressive about this? Like on purpose together and like sort of be each other's accountability partners. And then after that, save up as much as we can and then travel for as long as we can. He's like, yeah. <laughs> so that's how we got into it. I mean, I, again, I cannot stress the importance of having someone to bring you out of your own brain when it comes to money. And um, so after we uh, both paid off our student loans, I had like 38K, he had like 18K, we paid off our student loans. And then again, we brought that same energy, same amount of money that we were paying aggressively towards our student loans and just started 
dumping it in a travel savings account for as long as we could. And then we calculated it and we're like, oh man, if we go real, real cheap and, you know, we go to Southeast Asia, which is obviously like a number one backpacking destination for folks who don't want to spend a lot of Skrilla mm-hmm. like me. Um, and also if we like work this credit card point system, which girl is a whole other podcast, like being able to uh, not pay for your flights at all and just use credit card points. Like if we do that, if we travel really, really cheap, we can travel for like eight or nine months. And we're like, wow, time to quit our jobs, time to do this right now. So we, but the way that we did that was knowing that we did not want to get into more debt with traveling. And so the fatty savings needed to be there. And then once the fatty savings was there, again, that took like over a year. Once the fatty savings was there, we gave ourselves a monthly budget to stick to. So I think a lot of people look at how, you know, Peter and I, my partner have been traveling almost, almost eight months now. It's not a spending free for all. We are on, I would say we're almost on a stricter budget now than before because we're not really earning anything on the road. So we know just through straight up math, what we can spend in every country. Like there are a zillion blogs out there about what you can expect to spend when you go to a country for a certain amount of time. And if you're a backpacker, if you're a fancy person, if you're a business person, if you're a couple, so much information out there on what people have spent on average. So we're able to sort of project like, all right, when we are in Japan, we can spend three weeks there and every day our budget mm-hmm. is this. And we just keep a very meticulous track of that. So that's the way that we've been uh, able to travel for so long is we're, we're real strict about our budget. And also budgeting brings us a lot of like nerdy joy. So it's a fun couple thing for us to do. Um, but also traveling on a budget also means lots and lots of tiny things like living at homes, like doing homestays. Oh, my God. God, so fun. Homestay is, uh, it's, this is available on Airbnb or just the word of mouth, but a homestay is where you basically stay with a local family wherever you are. And typically the experience is a lot more like you sit down and have meals with them. You talk to them about the culture. You're not in a hotel. You're probably up in the neighborhoods of where real people live. You save a shit ton of money like that because usually a butt ton cheaper than hotels and the cultural experience is a lot richer. Um, we also did woofing, which is uh, basically volunteering on organic farms, which is offered in certain countries. You volunteer on a farm for a few hours a day and they give you free room and board. So free room, free meals. And again, like amazing cultural experience. Um, in cities like Taipei, we've, we just came from two weeks in Taipei. Public transportation is ace. I mean, it's so good, so fun and so cheap. We take buses everywhere. We walk as much as we can. Um, and we just try to pull back and be as minimal as possible. Uh, and the closer that we get to sort of understanding local culture, the better, the better that is. So sorry, that was like a butt ton of different information, but no, that was, it's a, it's a big, that was big. amazing. Clearly morning time is your better time. Cause you're like, well, pal, Zam, zoom and bang, bang <laughs> and <laughs> I did. I had a banana and a half a bottle of water. Super so I'm feeling gross. real nourished, you know, my body is a temple. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Feeling um, good. Yeah, that's the mystery part to me is the like, oh, okay, you're really good. You're really doing that, huh? You're really having that budgeting thing happen. Okay. Um, yes. I can yeah, at home yeah, and absolutely. It's, I'm like, Wee! Yes. Uh, that's what's funny is budgeting when you travel, I think, is almost 
more important. Well, I don't know. It's hard for me to say which, which is more important, but you don't stop budgeting when you travel. For me, when I think about a trip, for example, I went to Austin with my best friends for five days last year. And that was one of the first trips where I was ever like, not going into it being like, whatever, we'll see what happens. I'll get home and be sad. But for now, <laughs> I'm going to buy all the drinks. La, 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 la. I was like, whoa, hey, what if I don't do that this time? What if this time I maybe do it differently? And I would just sat down for like 30 minutes and projected like, well, how much do I want to spend on alcohol a day, food, souvenirs, whatever. Okay. Times up by five. That's my like do things budget. How much is a usual flight to Austin? Okay. Sounds good. Put that somewhere else too. Like that's my flight budget. And then if I, and then I had like a, you know, if everything from those two lists cost $2,500 and I'm like, all right, well, I will commit myself to trying to save $2,500 before I get on that, you know, before I go to Austin. So then by the time I got to Austin, all of my daily money was already sort of saved up and panned out. I knew exactly what I could spend on meals and drinks every day. And it was almost like giving yourself like a self-allowance, like because I had saved up that money and I got on that plane with a chunk of cash, it was like, it was like some rich person was just like, here, Berna, this is the, this is your allowance for Austin you got to come home worry-free. So like, you know exactly what to spend every day. And oddly it felt very freeing. Cause I was just like, I don't care. Like I, there was no low boil anxiety of like, oh, I'm going to fucking pay for this when I get home. Oh my God. And I was like, no, I can do this totally guilt-free. And now I'm addicted to that sort of like, I, I made myself my own allowance and now I get to spend it however I want kind of feeling. Yeah. And that's really good. Instead of that, like, I hope the credit card goes through and then I'm just going to be really sad later kind of a feeling, which is not the vacation feeling that you're really going for. Oh, it's not because you're always aware of that. Like, you know, you're going to have a sad ass four weeks after your one week in Cabo. And did that make the vacation worth it? I don't know. Maybe, but I don't know. I, I've, I've gone to the self-allowance place and I can't go back. I like it. Um, what do you wish that everyone in the world knew that you're pretty sure you figured out? So I've let I've left it vague enough that there's not even hubris in it. Like you can be like, you're pretty sure you figured it out. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. It's funny. The first thing that comes to mind is my, my money conspiracy in my head is like, me, 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 give me the mic, give me the mic. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's basically that all of this money knowledge is out there like how the most simple money knowledge, how to budget, how to manage every single paycheck, and then how to save, how to, you know, tackle your student debt, and then how to invest. What the fuck is investing? What are stocks? What is that? Is that a white man's game? Like, is that something that I've been shut out of? The reason all that information is so mysterious to so many people is because like the world wants it to be mysterious for you. Like imagine Every woman, every person of color, every disenfranchised person was suddenly imbued with the knowledge of like, oh, I actually can manage my paycheck. And the next step, I can manage my debt. And the next step, oh, investing is actually can be pretty simple. Um, the world would explode. I really feel that way. Like there are lots of people at the top of financial systems who are making money off the fact that you don't know what the fuck you're doing with your credit card. And that's why you're in debt. Your debt is making somebody else rich. Your your lack of knowledge is making someone else rich. And once I realized that, it made me really fucking mad. It almost made me want to get better at money just to, you know, bust out of that and like wave my finger at someone's face one day. I don't know. I, I, I imagine this like proverbial mountain full of old white men at the top. 
And, you know, they're, they've been like raining pellets of disenfranchisement down on us. And I have like found a back way so I can get to the top of the mountain and be like, you motherfuckers, <laughs> you've been making this hard for us on purpose this whole time. And just that knowledge of like, it's not a coincidence that you don't know what you're doing with your money. And it's not a coincidence that to you investing seems so out there and far off and something that you're not participating in. Because if you knew that this knowledge is out there. And if you did have those tools and if you knew how easy investing could be once you've gotten that financial position, there's a lot of people who would you would take power from and people don't want that. So that's the biggest thing is like, listen, this game is set up against you, but the knowledge that this game is set up against you is so powerful too, because it's something that you can then work your way around. It's not, it's not a ceiling that you are stuck under forever. It's something that you can equip yourself with knowledge to climb up over. And there, there's a very, very tiny, angry, like conspiracist in me that just wants to f- just, just punch everyone at the top, which is probably not a healthy way to be. <laughs> it happens. But I'm like trying to bring as many people on my back with me to be like, I, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, there's a reason that we feel oppressed and we're going to go fucking find it. And we're going to go kick everyone's ass when we get to the top. So I, I hope there was something like, useful in that angry rant because I'm just I just get pissed when I think about no, it. No, it's okay to be pissed and I think that that's that's wise <laughs> and smart instead of like I have debt, I'm bad. I'd be like I have debt. Somebody else is getting really fucking rich from me. That makes me angry. Really, really rich. Because angry can easily yes. be turned into fuel where sadness and shame do not make very good fuel. Exactly. Exactly. And I know, I mean, I, I try to meditate every day. I know anger is not necessarily the most productive emotion, but I'm like if my anger helps other people, you know, climb up over the ceiling of like, we're always going to be bad at money, then that's fine. Let me be the, the angry, unstable one and everyone else can zen their way into financial ease. But let's, I think somebody's got to get angry Literally first. Literally no one on I'm earth happy to be that zending person. their way into financial ease. That's <laughs> 0% of the population of any, any culture in the history of the world. <laughs> I feel that. Well, I mean, what's so funny and what made me also so angry when I started looking at like finance, I'm just like, hmm, I think I can equip myself with some financial knowledge and teach other people. What books can I read? What bloggers are out there? What people are talking about it? I mean, the very first thing that everyone ever, always says is like, Dave Ramsey. Oh. And I'm like, okay, do you have a non-white man? And they're like, hmm, Ramit Sethi. There's like one guy who does this book called I Will Teach You to Be Rich. And it's like written completely in bro language. And I was like, I'm going to punch myself in the face. Why is there no one speaking a total normal language? Um, and I've read a couple of books that like have been written by people of color or have been written by women. And some of them are very financially zen. And there's none of the fire that I feel about of like the anger of like, listen, I grew up differently. My parents couldn't teach me these things that you feel so calm about. Like, why is no one out here pissed, even a little bit pissed? that like some of us were given the knowledge and some of us were not. And that's very much tied to our race or socioeconomic standpoints. Um, so I'm like, I need, I need to find someone with a little more anger because some of these, some of these bitches got too much Zen for me and their Zen almost makes me mad. So well, it's easy. we're going to, we're mean, working it's on it. It's easy to be Zen if you're 30 years in and you got yourself that seven or eight or nine figure empire, you know, like it. <laughs> I feel like Zen gets easier exactly. if you have a few million to be like, listen, bitches, oh you don't know anything. Let me teach you something. Yes. It's like, I'm happy for you when you're Zen, but like, can someone speak to me down here where I'm still like sort of pissed about the financial disenfranchisement that comes with 
being a child of an immigrant or being an immigrant or being brown or being a woman or, you know, all so, so many things. So I'm working on it. I'm working yeah. on it. Well, it's because you're the person to do the things. And uh, <laughs> I hope so. So tell me about uh, people are generally going to hear you and then they're going to want to f- generally fling money in your direction. Um, how do they do such a thing and where do they find you and where do you prefer to be found is the other thing. Yes. So I prefer to be found on Instagram. That is just where my body lives. As much as I try to be a cool person and have a really nice website and blog all the time, just like my fingers float to Instagram. So all, all of my ratchetry can be found there. Instagram.com slash HeyBurna or just HeyBurna on Instagram. Um, I also have a, a YouTube channel that's YouTube slash HeyBurna and all of my videos live there as well. Um, I've called my financial uh, video series Felicia's Wallet uh, because, I mean, we all remember the buy Felicia phenomenon. And my idea was like, if that bitch is always getting on planes and going somewhere, like I'm trying to figure out what her financial situation is. So it's like Felicia's Wallet, what's she up to? Let's let's be like her. Mm-hmm. Um if people want to fling money at me, to be totally honest, I've, I gotten in, I had gotten into one-on-one personal finance coaching and as rewarding as it is, it's also very, it's super taxing and it takes a lot of energy. I, th- I believe that you're a business coach and you know this, that like coaching can be a lot out of you. Yeah. So while I try to figure out a more scalable way to teach people money in a way that if they want to throw money at me, they can, um, right now all my information is free. I've got blogs, I've got, I've got videos. The more you watch those videos, the more I can leverage my talents into something that does pay me one day. That's a little more scalable. But for now, watch those videos and share them. That's how you can pay me with your time. Oh, actually, also share them with a young person. That's my true like heart's goal is to teach the next generation how to not suck the way that we do. So share them with a young person in your life, even if they're like, this bitch is so boring, I hate it. Like, if I can get a little earworm of money into a young person today, that would be so great. That is beautiful and magnificent. Yes. Let's get those 18 year olds that are signing up for all the credit cards to at least sign up for the right credit cards and get free flights to places. (laughs) Yes. Please stop signing up for credit cards because they're on your campus offering you a free sweater. A very true story that so many of us have. And it's like, I just, that's what really, come on. You don't need it. That's stop it. It's a trap. It's a damn trap. That's how this all started for us. Cause we started grabbing up credit cards because of sweaters. So just do better. All of us can do better. We can help do better. We can all do better. So, uh, I'm going to press stop on the recording, but thank you for coming to play with me from halfway around the world. Exactly. So yes, <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for reaching out. It's, uh, I mean, I get onto money and I ramble like a crazy person. So I hope that was useful by, I really appreciate you even finding me. I've loved listening to the podcasts that I've heard from your podcast oh, so well, far. Thank you. Thank you for listening. One more time, The Antidote is a series of monthly gatherings to help you come back to your body, your being, and your breath when it's most likely that you'll self-abandon. The Antidote is the antidote to trying to do everything all alone, all by yourself, while you grow more stressed and you're generally freaking out and telling everyone you're fine while quietly or not so quietly, scream sobbing in a private place between tasks. 
let's not do that. Let's try something different. This is a really simple format. One gathering a month on the first Tuesday of the month until the 2024 election. So we're practicing the skills that we will need in November now. And we're getting really comfortable with body, breath, and being now. And that's available to you at jointheantidote.com. There's a free recording. You can sign up. You can get more details. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy.